0: i'm molly o'connor and i'm sarah connell sanders and you're listening to pop it this is the podcast for popping questions popping bottles and pop culture (gasps) happy 100th episode yes i can't believe we made it (laughs) this is awesome yeah (laughs) i can't it's it also i can't but also i'm like wait we haven't done a it's kind of like a weird yeah
1: it feels like we've been doing this for ages and ages <laughs> yeah um but yeah 100 man that's, that's a big number saying. yes and oh as a special treat uh-huh. from our friends at fellow podcast food and convo we have the most worcester beer ever it is <laughs> table talk chocolate pecan pie ale from Wormtown.
0: <laughs> i so it is an ale this is interesting it's an ale brewed with cocoa powder Pecans, chocolate pecan pie, and lactose. I also go back and forth. You might have noticed between saying pecans and pecan, I don't know what I choose. Yeah, I think I'm a pecan girl. All right. Yeah. Let's give these we adjuncts a real shot. You ready? We're popping models. Popping cans. Mm, cheers. cheers. Delicious. Yeah. That's it. That is interesting. So it's not a stout, but it has like the flavor profile. Yeah, out, right? it's
1: got a lighter body for mm. sure, but then you, it tastes like a tabletop pie. It's got to yeah. be loaded
0: with, like... Yeah.
1: <laughs> I bet they put actual pies in the...
0: Right?
1: The, what is it called? The Whirlpool, the mash. <laughs> yes, the know. mash.
0: Oh, all right. right. So caramel, that's fun. Well, thanks, Food and Convo.
1: Yes, for sure. And we wanted to do this before our guests because... Our special guest for the 100th episode, we'll be talking about something a lot more serious. She is a cult survivor.
0: Yes. And this is something that we are both have kind of an interest in (laughs) and haven't been able to really pursue, like, on the show.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about our 100th episode. And as we proceed, like, what sort of things would we like to focus on? I think... Cult survivors, I think people who have been groomed, I think these are all interesting topics to me where we can give people a voice. Yeah, and really like salient right now. Right now is a really tricky time because people are so isolated yes. that if you are in a, a high control environment, it might be worse than ever.
0: Absolutely. It's also easier than ever to fall into this type of stuff, especially online. Right. Um, with conspiracy theories and hey
2: how are you we're
0: good it's nice to see your face I
1: know you too hi Molly how are you (laughs) thank you for having this very raw conversation with us too I of course I'm actually kind of excited about it so good yeah yes I hope it's cathartic you know
2: yeah I I think it will be I've been like honestly for a long time wanting to talk about this and just like not quite having the right like people or opportunity or whatever and it's been like going on 11 years now that I've been like on my own and I feel like finally like opportunities are like clicking into place and I'm like okay let's go (laughs) music is
0: beautiful yeah we were
2: both just listening yes Sarah sent
0: me the tracks and I was like this is so soulful yeah oh thank you
2: yeah Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about it
0: I was going to read this little intro, but I have Ivana
1: Sofia as your name. Do you, is that what you go by? Yeah, that's what I go by. Okay, perfect. (laughs) And we can talk about that, too, because I didn't know yeah. if your last name is associated with your family and you want to separate from that or if it's just right, like your artist
2: name. Um, I have also been married and divorced. So um, I when I got divorced, I ended up keeping my ex's last name because I wanted to have the same last name as my son. Yeah. But at the same time, that's also not really like a family I identify with. Yeah. So I'm like and believe it or not, I would rather identify with that family than like my biological family. Family, so I'm like we'll just but most of the time I just go by Havana Sophia because so I figure that will never change even if anything happens in the future I'll be like I'll still have the Sophia That's <laughs> Absolutely. Right. <Yeah. laughs> all right you ready all
0: right yeah.
1: Ivana Sophia grew up in the faith assembly cult under the teaching of notorious faith healer Hobart Freeman, who aided and abetted in the deaths of nearly 100 of his followers. Ivana has gone on to become an incredible mother, a respected music teacher, and a revered singer-songwriter in central Massachusetts. Ivana's liberation came when she realized she would rather live in dangerous freedom than peaceful slavery. We are so honored to share her story with you today.
2: Welcome. Yeah. I like how I like how you definitely have read my uh like profiles and stuff. It stopped it's me awesome. in my track. Yeah. I love that quote so much. Absolutely.
0: We want to keep it true to like your message and your your story as well. well you guys
1: are, you guys are the best. <laughs> Uh, But one thing I do enjoy about a lot of my favorite podcasts is that the host is like willing to be vulnerable. And I was thinking about this. We met the first time and you sat down on a bar stool next to me. And within like an hour, I was talking to you about things that I haven't talked to my own family about. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> but the conversation we had started around healthcare. So this Hobart Freeman who your family followed the teachings of, he believed in faith healing, right? So the idea that no one yeah. should go to the doctor.
2: The term that um I heard a lot growing up was divine healing. Oh yes. And it's just this whole like belief system that your quality of life, including your body, is dependent on your relationship with God. So, if you are sick or if you are hurt or whatever, you need to believe that God will heal you. And if He doesn't heal you, that's because your faith isn't strong enough. So, you need to whatever confess whatever sins you're having, eliminate whatever distractions are in your life, focus on your relationship with God. It's basically like God's giving you a little wake up call, <laughs> you know what I mean? And He's like, you need to figure out what's wrong in your life and then I'll heal you. Um, so that's the teaching that I grew up on. So I did not see a doctor in my entire childhood. <laughs> it's was kind of crazy. And I have like allergies. I have like a peanut allergy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, looking back on it, sometimes I'm like, how, like, how did we all survive? <laughs>
1: it's kind of crazy. Um, and I guess that was how we had connected. I had mentioned that like, when I was eight or nine years old, I met a man who was 18 at the time, and he became a real Mm -hmm. mentor for me for the next decade. And then as soon as I turned 18, the relationship turned romantic. And he Mm -hmm. would always say like, oh, doctors are for please. And like, you don't need to go to the dentist because like, that would be so fiscally irresponsible of you. And I just, I believed it all. You know, I really trusted him. And now I realize what a red flag that is.
2: Right. No, it definitely is. I I relate to that too. Just like the believing, like people will often ask me when I do talk and be like, well, at what point did you realize like some of the teachings that you were taught were kind of crazy? And I mean, it's not like I don't have very many. I have a few moments where I'm like, holy shit, like that totally clicked. It doesn't make sense. But it was kind of like this gradual, like you realize oh i've been hurt this many times maybe i should think if there's another way of looking at this you know what i mean but like you just believe it. especially as a young girl like in my family it was just there's two girls and the rest of the children are boys and like in the church i grew up in it was like all women following my dad's teaching and like it, it, we all just were, like you just believed it like you just had to and it became your identity so like if you decided to not believe it it's like n- for the last 10 years, I've been like struggling with an identity crisis. Like, Where do you go? Right. <laughs> exactly. And like, who do you trust? Absolutely. The first thing I did after leaving, like I was kicked out when I was 18. The first thing I did was join another church. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, well, what do you do with your life? You go to church. And like, it wasn't as ridiculous as the one I grew up in, but like, it was, also very hurtful towards me you know what I mean but I had to like phase myself out I think I don't
0: know <laughs> and it almost probably felt like a safety net where it was like at least right. it was something that you knew right
2: right and I exactly. feel like
0: with in Sarah's situation you were sort of groomed from a young age as a child whereas like Avana you were sort of just like born into this right
2: right yeah my parents were the ones they they were not born into it they like would convert it or whatever for whatever reasons that they were going through in their life, that's where their journey took them. I was born into it. Um, which I I think it's like a little different, but I don't know. Where do you fall in the line of your siblings in terms of how old? Um I am the second to oldest and I'm the oldest girl. So like I always felt like growing up I was the oldest just because like I was always helping with the kids and doing all the chores and helping with the meals and I don't know. Something about being the oldest girl you're just like second mom. I
0: think that's very, yeah. very common in um, like family situations that are very, very attached to like a church or like cult type mm-hmm. atmosphere, right? I think it's very common that the girl, the girls or women in the family tend to just take that role because yes, that's kind of just how it is.
2: Yeah, it is definitely. I remember too, like so many times asking my mom, like, what do you think is my like future like what am I going to do with my life you know what I mean and it's like I don't know they just like I would have panic attacks about it just be like what am I going to do like who am I going to marry what's my life going to be what's my profession going to be and like I was always into music and my mom she like owns a sewing business and it was always just like I always just felt like it was assumed that like I was just going to do what she did and I was like I don't know if that's like what I want my story to be but yeah we all just we were like some of the skills I am thankful for because growing up in that environment like I can do laundry, I can keep my house clean, I can cook a really good meal, like children do not intimidate me at all. Like I'm super like, uh, what's the word, resourceful, and like all those skills that lots of times, people that grew up in a more cultured childhood, they're like, how do you know how to do that? And I'm like, well, I don't know who these musicians are and these movies are and like all this stuff is that you're talking about. I've seen one Disney movie in my whole life, but I can make a better meal than you, so.
0: (laughs) but i can like feed my own kid, right?
2: Right, exactly, yeah. So, i did learn some good good life skills, that's for sure. Do you still have a relationship
1: with anyone in your biological family?
2: I do. My sister and i are really close. Um and then i don't really have much of a relationship with any of my brothers. My dad and i don't at all, and my mom and i it's like it's very spotty. It'll be like a email here and again, and then whatever. There have been multiple times, and I've tried to be very, like, upfront with her about, like, what I would need to feel comfortable in, like, a real relationship, and the communication just isn't there. It's just, she's in another element, or I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, um, I'm just, like, totally not seen the way that I see myself, so it's very difficult, and as a mom myself, it's even, like, more heartbreaking because like, I literally cannot imagine a life without my son. Like I would do anything. I would, I would go back to the cult. I feel like if it meant I could like, if I was going to lose my kid, cause he joined, I would like, I would do anything to keep a relationship with him. And I just like, don't understand how you wouldn't like, just put your life on the line to like, try to keep a relationship with your daughter. But there's a whole lot going on. I think deeper that it's not my, problem to deal with. So
0: <laughs> are you the only one of your siblings who is now out of the cult or is your sister? Uh, my sister
2: is as well. Yep. Um, and like last I knew all of my brothers were still a part of the church. Um, but I honestly like don't hundred percent know for sure. The church that I grew up in, um, was very, very, very small. Like I have vague memories when I was I don't know, five or six or something. When the church was bigger, like we actually met in like a building. And in my mind, I see like many, many, many families. But at one point, all I knew was like something happened called the split. And I think it was some type of disagreement between my dad's teachings and what somebody I don't know, but like the church split. From that moment forward, it was a very small, like 14 people, like and we met in the basement of a home, like my social life was church on Sundays in the basement of a home like 14 people and like there's like five kids in my family so the majority of it is like my own family you know what i mean and the other thing that i found super interesting again like looking back you grow up in it and it's normalized and then looking back you're like wait a second i'm not crazy because that's not normal there was not a single whole family in the church like there the only other mar- there was only one other married couple where the husband and wife were a part of it besides my own parents. Other than that, it was wives and their husbands wouldn't go. Like, I wonder what red flags they were seeing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then only some of the children would go. There's a family of 11 kids and like two of the kids would go to church with their mom. You know, it's just like so many broken families with just like a certain, the one broken part of it was like listening to my dad's teachings. And I'm like looking back and I'm like, that says a lot, (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) you know? Yeah.
1: So the things that distinguish a high control environment or a cult, it's like you're distar- discouraged from leaving, obviously. Um, and then yes. also the things that are you're being manipulated to do aren't natural or safe for you. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that were going on that you eventually realized were not okay?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I experienced physical abuse. I experienced sexual abuse. Um, which again, at the time, like seemed normal, but then you look back and you're like, Oh, that's not okay. And then aside, those are two things where like, they just are very obvious. And I've learned in my life because I've experienced physical and emotional and sexual abuse. Like sometimes the emotional things that are happening, I wouldn't say they're worse, but they're so different because you can't see a bruise on your arm and go, wow, look, I'm being hurt. Like it's in you, it's inside of you. And like, you don't notice it right away. So I think that just, I mean, the biggest thing is just this whole concept that your quality of life is dependent on how good you are. I mean, I literally remember going to sleep every night and making a checklist in my head of all the good things and the good thoughts I had and all the bad things and the bad thoughts I had and being like, okay, so if I die in my sleep, I'll end up going to heaven tonight where like, and if I didn't do enough good things in my head, I would like, pray for five people so that I was like uh, did more good things in that day. It's just that like training you to like just judge yourself and judge others constantly and it's something I still struggle with. Like I can be very judgmental even in my day-to-day life. Like I've just like I feel like I've been like trained to find flaws and it's so frustrating sometimes <laughs> cuz like uh it's just really frustrating. But there's that and then aside from that like danger wise like I feel like um just not seeing doctors, like, a little secret, I still have not seen a dentist, I'm going to be 28 next month, and I still have not seen a dentist, and, like, thankfully, I have great teeth, I don't think I have any cavities or anything, I'm terrified now, and now it's at the point where I'm, like, I'm 28, what are they going to think, to get, like, my whole life story to explain myself, you know what I mean, (laughs) but, like, I, I just not, we were, I don't even know what types of sicknesses I had, I just knew I got sick a lot growing up, I remember, uh, oh, sorry. Um, I remember like hurting my ankle really bad once growing up and like got getting, I remember the neighbors had like crutches out in the trash and I like took their crutches and I got like in trouble for like wanting crutches because I wasn't trying to demonstrate my faith. Um, Yeah. Just the lack of medical attention on number of levels was probably more dangerous than I realized growing up. Um, Many
0: in many cases where people are homeschooled, that mm-hmm. is often a cover for, not like cover, but in a way, yes, like for abusive situations, right? Were you homeschooled? Mm-hmm. And do you feel that that was
2: an element of it? Um, I was homeschooled. Um, I think that, I mean, the, the homeschooling was because of, you know, the beliefs that my parents had growing up. So they wouldn't have wanted me, I mean, we didn't celebrate any holidays. We didn't celebrate Christmas. We didn't celebrate Halloween. We didn't, no holidays. We didn't celebrate birthdays. So just the fact that, you know, the public school teacher system teaches just like our natural cultural holidays, that wasn't okay. Um, They wouldn't like, we weren't really allowed to be quote unequally yoked. So we wouldn't be friends with someone who didn't have the same beliefs that we had, or we're not a part of our church. Um, So that would have exposed me to a lot of worldly influences which would have not been good in my parents' eyes. Um, So that was the reason why they chose to homeschool us. Um, I think the, the only part about the homeschooling that was like, I don't know if the word is abusive, but just kind of not, like I didn't get the best education, which, is a little bit frustrating sometimes because you can't really go back and redo that. And that's not really, it wasn't on purpose. No one was like trying to like, you know, uneducate me or anything. I just didn't get the best education. My mom was trying to teach me everything and she couldn't teach it all to me well. And plus like maybe I wasn't in the mentally healthiest way to be learning in the first place. Um, And then just like the lack of a social life, I just always remember just like fantasizing about having friends and friend groups and being cool. Like it's all like literally, like I just remember being like, all I want to do is be cool. Like I just wanted to be like the cool girl. And like, it just like, I never even had the really like the environment to do that. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It was, that was something that I think as a young, like 14, 15 year old girl, it's like, you just crave Mm -hmm. that feeling of like community and friendship and like I don't know showing off a little bit like wearing the cute clothes and I just like I always hated what I had to wear and hated how I looked and hated that like I didn't know what people were talking about I couldn't talk about the things that they were talking about like sleepovers like never got to do that like just little like day-to-day teenage girl life things that I didn't have sometimes I still think about them like I'm gonna have a sleepover
0: <laughs> we should yeah. when all this is over <laughs> um and it- you also are not getting the like oversight or you don't have like a mandated reporter around. So if you come, if you were to go to school, like with a bruise or with an ankle, you know, an ankle injury and you don't have crutches, someone would notice that. Right. And someone would report that. And so you don't have that element of like other adults.
2: Right. Yeah. There's, that's the thing too. Like, I think, um, one thing that I've realized over time, like, because I've gone to a lot of therapy and I think that I am naturally a very like intuitive person. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have been able to make it to where I am in my life is because I'm always thinking about like, well, why do I feel like this? And then like go deeper. What caused it? Like what can, I'm not just reactive. I try to be proactive. Um, And so I've thought really long and hard about like trying to understand my parents and like what they came from and why they are the way they are. And one thing that I realized is And I've noticed this too, because I've watched lots of documentaries on lots of cults with someone like my father or with someone like Hobart Freeman, there is nobody to keep them in check. Nobody like they run their own family. He ran his own church. He ran his own business. He doesn't look up to anybody in his life. There's nobody that he calls up like, Hey, not sure if this is a good decision. What do you think? Like, I have people in my life that I respect and I look up to. And I'm like, I want to be like, this is a person that I would love to be like, you know what I mean? And then I can ask them for advice. And I think that's really important. So as a parent, especially like that, you're right. Like I wasn't at school. I didn't have a, uh, what do they call it? Like a counselor at school, like um, whatever it is, like, just like, Hey, Yvonne, your grades aren't doing well. And you seem really tired. Are you okay? I'm like, Oh, well, funny. You should mention, you know what I mean? Like right. there's no yeah. one checking in on my parents to be like, well, Maybe your kids should have more of a social life, or I don't know, you know, nothing like that, and you're right, that would have probably made a big difference. that God I complex because I think it's important to like point out the little blessings because I think people don't realize that sometimes they're those people for somebody else, but I had neighbors growing up that were like literally angels, and they did not know the extent of the what I was going through at home, but I felt safe enough to talk to them about certain things that I was unhappy about and like I had neighbors that would, you know, ask me to come babysit when they didn't need me to babysit just so I could like have a mental break, like literally like angels like that. And like I, we went to a um, homeschool co-op for a while. So it was like a small group of families that got together to homeschool. And I remember like even one of my friend's moms, she was a nurse and I was complaining about how tired I was. And she was like, well, you might be anemic. Like, try eating more of this type of food. Like, just, like, little things like that. Like, she knew that I wasn't going to be able to go see a doctor. She knew kind of some of the circumstances I was in. And she, like, went out of her way to be, like, I can get you some iron pills if you want to try that. Like, she would, like, just little people here and there who would, like, give me just tiny little doses of, like, normalcy. And I'd be, like, I would crave more of it and crave more of it. And I really think that's, like, amazing that I had that. And now I just think it's important because, like, people don't know sometimes like the simplest act of kindness is like heroic for someone else's life, you know? You are Absolutely. so tenacious.
1: Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have moments I remember with adults from my childhood and I have met those people in adulthood and said like, wow, I just want to thank you for your family doing this and this and this for me. And they're like, I have no
2: idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> but that's an important message for adults. Sometimes the littlest
2: thing you're doing for a kid, they're going to remember for the rest of their life. Oh, I know. It's so true. It's so true. And like, even like, yes, for little kids and even for adults, sometimes, you know what I mean? Like even now, like people, and I take it as a compliment because sometimes when I, even like a simple thing, like, Oh, I was homeschooled and people go, Oh, I'd never know. I'm like, yes. Like I, yes, that's good. Yes. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, like people don't know, sometimes like just a simple, like compliment or just including me in a conversation or whatever it is, like they do not realize how much internal anxiety that I'm going through at this very moment. And just the fact that they made eye contact and was like, I'm so glad I got to see you. I'm like, you think like, I just felt normal finally. Cause I was freaking out for a minute. Like you don't know what someone's gone through. You don't know that the girl next door to you might be like surviving, ridiculous, emotional and religious abuse. And that mm-hmm. just treating her some simple kind, normal way, like could change her life. You don't know how, what people have been through absolutely Um,
1: for your inner teenager I do just have to say when I said to Molly I was like oh I would love to speak with Ivana she was like oh that super like cute photographer
0: who's a (laughs) roller roller girl
1: she's yeah and I was like
0: (laughs) yeah she's like she seems so cool because (laughs) every time you're welcome every time (laughs) I've been roller skating I always leave too early and then I later, know, like I in the, know, summer, the
2: summer, and then I'd be like, Oh, man, I missed it. Because I'm like, I I like work till 830 or nine. So it's a real bummer. But I'm going to message the group, actually, because this Wednesday, I don't work. I'll have Wesley, though. And I'm going to ask, like, can Wesley come with his scooter? And can okay. we? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. Anyone is it? I think there was a dog last week. The skateboarders yeah, yeah, yeah. are around. I think Wesley
2: would love that, too, because like oh, yeah. he absolutely. loves the ladies. So People-
0: People usually bring like cupcakes or some kind of like, there's usually a snack of some kind. I can get
2: with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I keep, I always like miss you guys too. Yes, absolutely.
1: But I did love that, that your impression of her was like, oh, she's the cool girl. And I was like,
0: well, definitely. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, she wants to talk to us because she's a cult survivor. And Molly's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I was like taken aback. Yeah,
2: Yeah. That's funny. It is funny too, because like, like you said, I, you hope this is cathartic. Like I genuinely do love to talk about it because um, I don't really know. I don't really know exactly why. Something about it, I, I like I like to hear myself talk about it because sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow, that's insane. You know what I mean? But I don't know why. I just like talking about it. And then it's hard sometimes because I'll be in a group and like, I don't want to be like, yeah, so me, me, me and all this stuff I went through. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to find the right. And every once in a while, people will be talking about something. I have no idea what they said or what they're talking about be like, oh, I grew up very sheltered. I'll just like mention, you know, kind of try to slip it in. And it's something I've worked on with therapy because I used to be when I was first out of my house, like if you met me in 10 minutes, you were going to know the entire story. Like you were going to know everything because it was my entire identity. And now I'm like learning how to like save it for when it's um, appropriate or like not just put my heart on my sleeve and then have someone like just know my entire vulnerable childhood and then, leave or whatever you know what I mean so it's been like a process learning about when and how to talk about it but I do like to talk about it because it's the majority of my life that's the thing too like I'm 28 almost and that was the first 18 years of my life so if you think about it that's still more of me was that than who I am now and I've only been like church-free for like four years. Like I finally like just completely stopped going to church and stopped like getting into all the religious stuff once my son was born. So like, there's just been so much change going on. So in reality, it's like, I feel like someone doesn't know me if they don't know all that. Yeah. And you, for yourself.
0: Yeah. And it's just affirmation. Like this was my experience, right? Like this happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, like, right. you know, I didn't imagine it. Right. It was real. Yeah. We love therapy. Yes, we do. We're very, we're very pro therapy on this, on this podcast. Yeah, we're a, a pro therapy pod. I wish pod. I could be
2: a therapist. Sometimes I'm like, I should just be a therapist. I'm obsessed.
0: Every once a in a while. In yeah. I'll be like, Oh, I was talking about my therapist just like in the middle of an episode.
2: I know.
1: I know. Normalized it's therapy. So important. If
0: you go to the gym, you should go to therapy. It's the
2: same thing. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. I That's the thing too. Like, no, I don't care who you are. Like no one has had the perfect childhood. And if you have, you're now abnormal because most people don't. So you almost would need therapy to cope with the fact that you're normal. No, you know what I mean? Like at this that. point, it's just like, everyone should go. Cause if you've had like this, privileged life or whatever of no problems like you need to learn how to cope with that in a world full of all these people with problems so like Absolutely. everyone just go just go it's fine I could not agree more <laughs> um do you mind telling
0: us if you're comfortable just like the circumstances of when you were like kicked out
2: yeah. of the church of- pretty crazy story yeah um so I would say that Well, okay. So I got to backtrack to when I was seven. So growing up in that environment, you are constantly reminded, um, if, if you have not become born again, which is basically you've not decided, like, I want to become, we would just call it a Christian. Like I want to become a Christian. I want to become a follower of Christ. Um, you have to come to that decision on your own. And I was like seven and I hadn't gotten there yet, but, I remember constantly kind of like being reminded, you know what I mean? Like, well, when are you gonna, whatever. And, um, I got in trouble for something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember in my little head going, I'm just going to tell my dad, cause I was going to get a spanking. And I remember, I'm just going to tell my dad, I want to become a Christian. He'll be so excited. I won't get the spank. And my plan worked. So I was like, dad, I want to become a Christian. Like I'm probably doing these sinful things because I'm not a Christian. Like I want to become a Christian, you know, praise Jesus, hallelujah, let's do it. So I become a Christian and I don't get my spank. And literally, like I knew in my head that I was faking it. Like we Mm -hmm. got like baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we practiced speaking in tongues. Like I faked speaking in tongues for years. We would have prayer meetings where we would pray in tongues for hours. And I would just, I don't know how it happened. I would just fake it. Like I faked speaking in tongues. Like I faked everything. I hated it. I did not like it. And as I got older, in my teenage years, I was living a lot of a double life. Like a lot of a double life. Like if we went to homeschool co-op, I'd have a shirt on like this underneath my modest shirt. And I would like take it off. And then my sister would tell on me. And then I would get in trouble. And I would go babysit and I'd be on the phone with somebody and my sister would find out and I would get in trouble. Whatever it was, I was just kind of doing this double life thing. And my dad kept kind of saying to me, like, I feel like you're faking it. I don't think you actually are saved in your heart. I don't think you're actually like a follower of Jesus. So this takes me to 17. So I'm 17. And um, I was really like, I think in that, I don't know, I came to the point where I was like, you know what, my dad's right. Like, I do need to actually become a Christian. Like, this is, I'm faking it. This is terrible. And I, like, confessed to my dad. I had to confess to the entire church, which I had to do multiple times, by the way, growing up. Like, public shame was a favorite tool. (laughs) Um, So I confessed to, like, faking it. And, like, you know, basically, I just remember, like, feeling like such a terrible person for, like, abusing what God meant you know what I mean by like pretending to be a follower I just I just wanted to die I just thought it was the worst thing ever and when I ended up telling my dad that I had faked it when I was seven I had to get a spank for what I should have gotten a spank for at the age of seven when I was 17 so again that's one of those things now I look back that I'm like what so like he oh, kept that like Mm -hmm. yeah right I mean I remember too I said to you I remember saying like when I was seven and I told you I wanted to get saved I was really trying to get out of getting a spank but also that says a lot because I I hate I hate being accused of something that I didn't do and I remember feeling like this is so unfair I should not be getting a spank whatever it was I just remember feeling like this is not okay. I'm not going to allow myself to get spanked for this. Cause it's, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I just remember that like so vividly. So I got right. my way out of it. That voice yeah. is what keeps yeah, you going now. <laughs> right. So I just remember being like, whatever. So I ended up telling my dad, like I faked it when I was seven and the consensus was I needed to like, to make it right. I just whatever, pay my penance. I don't know what the thought process was, but I ended up getting a spank at 17 years old for something I did when I was seven. Um, and I went through like a, phase where I was, like, trying really hard to, like, you know, actually do this for the real time this time, and I remember, like, it's a really weird memory that I have, but I remember one time my dad, like, um, he used to plow in the winter, and I was, like, with him in the truck, and I remember him looking at me and just being, like, it's wonderful to have my daughter back, and me feeling, like, for the first time in my, like, I felt, at the time, now it's like hurtful to think about that moment. The fact that in his eyes, he ever didn't have me like is hurtful. But at the time I remember being like, Oh my gosh, like my dad loves me finally. You know what I mean? Like just finally having this feeling of like my dad loves me, but it didn't last long because I just continued to get more and more upset. I was like suicidal at one point. Like I was just like really not doing well. Um, going through a lot again, I was going through like, sexual abuse that my parents did not know about as well, which now looking back, I'm like that would have played a lot into me being extremely unhappy. Um and I think I just started testing my dad more. I I at least had the balls that I would kind of like question him about things more and like when something would come up, like we'd have Bible studies every night after dinner and I would like be a little more like questioning like well why this or why why can women only wear dresses like where does it say that in the bible cuz i'm reading this and you're saying that and whatever just like more uh asking him the hard questions and i think we just started more and more tension building he didn't like that um and i'm trying to think if there there wasn't really anything specific that happened i remember one time i at homeschool co-op i like i snuck out and I went to the mall with some people and he found out about that. I got in really bad trouble. That was one of the times I was, that was the most physically abusive was when he found that out. It was not a good night. Um, but I just remember one night we were getting ready to go to a, one of the prayer meetings and my dad came downstairs and he was just like not happy. I don't know why specifically he wasn't happy. He was on a tangent. He had the list of all the wrong things everyone was doing. When he got to me, he was just like, you make it so difficult for me to lead a godly family. Like you question my authority and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like just not happy with the fact that I was making this hard for him. And I remember he told me I was empty inside. um, That I was like worthless and empty inside. And that um, he, I was like Judas. In the Bible, I don't know if the, sto- the story of Judas who betrays Jesus, but he said that I was Judas, that I pretended to be like a part of the family and to be a follower and that I was just going to betray them. Um, and he called me a wimp. He was like, you're a wimp. You'll never you won't like, you know, I don't know what it was about him that he said I was a wimp. And I was like, well, sometimes it's I'm scared to talk to you because like, it's hurtful to talk to you because it's impossible to have a conversation with you. And he's like, you want to have a conversation with me? Like, let's go. Like he was, it got, it was aggressive. And he had the whole family come, you know, everyone come downstairs. Like all the kids were all there in the, in the kitchen, the whole family. There. I remember them watching my four-year-old little brother, just like staring and watching. And he's like, what, what problems do you have? And I remember some of the things that I brought up. I was like my, one of my brothers, um, ankle was hurt very badly at the time. And I won't say his name, but I was like, listen, my brother's really hurt. I know he would love to see a doctor. He should be allowed to make that decision. He's like, I think he was 12 or 13. I'm like, he should be allowed to make that decision. And he was, my dad was like, if Jesus was in this room, would you ask Jesus to heal you? Would you go to a doctor? And I was like, if your faith is so strong that Jesus is in this room for you, cool. But some people, like the Bible teaches, like, that's the thing too. Like, I don't even like follow the Bible but you can translate the Bible so differently than how my dad translated. Like the Bible does teach that Jesus is like graceful and like meets you where you are. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so what God is this that you believe in? Like if I didn't have enough faith, I would hope that the creator of me in his, you know, would meet me where I'm at and be like, okay, well, like go see a doctor then. Like, and I remember being like, why did God create all these like plants that can be turned into medicine that can numb pain that like, why it doesn't make sense to me it's a go it's a temptation or something like whatever and then i also remember at that time speaking of health insurance um the mandatory health insurance law or whatever had been passed in massachusetts you have to have health insurance and i remember my dad preaching in church like do not get it like do not get the health insurance and i said to my dad i was like you know you are telling us to respect our elders like my father is my elder and the Bible tells me to respect my elders. Well, the Bible also says like, verses, like render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? Like you're supposed to pay your taxes. You're supposed, like the government is also an elder and you're supposed to respect the government. I'm like, you are not following your own teaching because the law is telling you to do something and you're not following that law, but you're expecting me to follow your laws. And I remember that's what like, that just got to him. I remember him getting really mad. And he was like, I know you don't want to live here. I know you don't want to be a part of the family, blah, blah, blah. And I remember saying to him, like, I want to have like a relationship with you when I turn 18 or I had just turned 18. I was like, I do want to move out. Like not right now, though. I want to be on good terms. I just want to be able to live my life. And he was like, if you don't want to live here, get out of the house now. And I was like, dad, I don't want to leave right now. I'm telling you, I want to move out, but I I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be on good terms and have an open relationship with the family, and he was like, if you want to get out, you have to get out right now. And I just turned into him literally yelling, Get out of my house. And I, I remember saying, Can I get my stuff? No, get out of the house. Can I put my shoes on? No, get out of the house. He opened the door and like pushed me out the door. So and I was where scared. Where did you I go? I ran. <laughs> I ran. Um, my first plan, I had a, a, a very close friend, n- neighbor. I used to take care of elderly people in the neighborhood. And this was just like, um, one of the daughters of the elderly, one of the elderly women that I used to take care of. And she was like, she's probably old, maybe not quite old enough to be my mom, but she was like older than me. And she was like, um, literally an angel to me. Like absolutely. she was the one that knew the most of what was going on. And she was like my first therapist too. You know what I mean? She was the first person that taught me like what mindfulness is and like, coping through like she taught me tapping for a, a uh, panic attack she taught me like how to find like places and like tap on your head like she taught me those things I so wear first- an elastic on my mm-hmm. and just pluck the elastic yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so anyway my first plan was to run to her house that was like five blocks away and I remember as I was running I was like he's gonna come try to get me he's gonna he's gonna realize what happened he's gonna try to get me to come home I don't want to go home now I'm out I don't want to go home like police officer is gonna see me it's March. It's cold. Uh, I have no shoes on. Obviously this looks crazy. He's definitely just going to bring me back to my family. So I ended up going to the family of someone that I, uh, babysat for. It was funny too, cause I knocked on the door. She knew like a little bit of what was going on. I knocked on the door. It's, I think it was like midnight, 1130 midnight. And, uh, she opened the door and she's like, Do you just get kicked out. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I went in there and the first thing I did too, the first thing I did, I was like, you need to get me a piece of paper right now. And I made a list of all the reasons why I can't go back home because I knew, and my dad did, I knew they were going to try to convince me to come back. And I made a list and I gave it to her. I said, I don't care if you have to chain me to the wall. Do not let me go back there. Because I was so scared. Finally, I'm not. But for years, I was terrified that my dad was going to be able to convince me that I needed to come home. And I, I needed to have that list to be like, I need to read this and remember why I can't do this, why I can't go back. And I think that was to her too. She was like, Oh, like, okay, we're not going back. Um, and I, I house hopped for a while. I stayed with a neighbor, stayed with a neighbor, uh, stayed with like a family from the homeschool co-op. Um, and then is a lot of just hopping around, staying at different places. I ended like, even like, I mean, not everyone knew the details of what was going on, but just like a brief like synopsis of like my family's not in my life right now, even, like, uh, family that I used to teach piano to, like, I got a job, so I was teaching piano. I ended up getting a job, and they were like, oh, you can rent out our basement apartment for a while. You know what I mean? Just, like, so many moments like that where people, like, live with us. Well, you can rent from us or keep staying in our spare bedroom until I finally, finally was like, okay, I'm getting my own apartment. I can do it. And those...
0: Those people ultimately were doing like godly things.
2: Right. And the thing too is, like I said, I joined a church, and that church that I did join, they were, especially like, you no, know, materialistically, they were so, so, so helpful. And they were genuinely, they were genuinely trying to be there for me and do the right thing. And the thing is, too, and like, I used to not want to say this because I wouldn't want to sound like someone who's like still being manipulated by my manipulator but like, I, I don't think that that's what it is. Like, I truly believe like even my father, like I know that he loves me and whatever his version of love is like, he believes in his belief system so deeply that he's willing to put his relationship with his daughter on the line because he genuinely thinks that that's the best thing. Like he thinks I'm going to go to hell and he doesn't want his daughter to go to hell. So he's doing this to, you know what I mean? Like And yes, I was abused and yes, I was very hurt and went through a lot of trauma and that's not okay. But even the people in the church that I joined after that, like they really thought that they were teaching me godly teachings as well. And they were trying to be good and most of them were and some of them weren't. But like, um, yeah, it's, I think you, you just have to like, look at it that way and just be like, some of these people, even if they did hurt you, they really were trying to do the right thing. They're just, I don't know, not as educated on what the right thing is. I love that you made that Um, list
1: because (laughs) I don't know when I tried to get out of really a very toxic environment, I had a hard time and I would have vivid, vivid dreams of me going Mm -hmm. back. Um, And they were like, Oh, you're not welcome back here or whatever, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. that was the hardest part is I can't control what my subconscious does. Do you still have like dreams or moments where my husband will go, where did you go? And I'm mm-hmm. just like, uh, my mind is somewhere else, you know. And I, I, I'm right. thinking about a different time and a different place. Yeah.
2: Do you still have I those definitely- moments? Yeah, I definitely. One second, uh, my oh, Yes. Oh, my Maximus, is horse. Maximus is a horse. Okay, you have to let me know I was right. We listened to it's a, white horse. a white horse. Wow. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, we we listened to Tangled on tape in the car, but he hasn't seen the movie, and he thought. Maximus was like a person on a horse. He had to let me know I was right. Maximus is just a horse. <laughs> um, so some of those moments, yes, literally all the time. Um, I was like, okay, so for example last, can I reference another TV show thing or something? Yeah. Okay. So uh, have you seen the show? Um, I think it's called A Goop with Gwyneth Palt- Paltrow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I was actually watching just the first episode and they were talking about this like psychedelic healing or psycho psych, whatever they do, the mushrooms and they, whatever. And this one, um, young man that was doing it, he had a, not, not a fatherly figure in his life growing up and he did this and during his trip or whatever, like all he wanted to do was a man to just hold him like a fatherly, like that. And like, I think about that, like, all the time, yes, you're college, you're talking to two people. I'm talking to two people, yeah, can you close it or all the way please? Thank you. no, but like I think about that like literally all the time, like even if someone just mentions like even with moms too, like any type of parental thing like you know, oh my mom like whatever we're having family night tonight, I'm like, what the fuck is that like you know what I mean just and it's like also hard because as much as I do have people in my life now that could have that parental type of it's not the same because it's there's never that first 18 years ever like it's it's even if I have in-laws it's still not the same you're still the in-law you're still and I, I mean I struggle with that on a day-to-day basis even with I don't have very many like I don't really have any like childhood friends you know what I mean like a lot of times I feel like I'm jumping into an, a group of people that already exist or, or people like my best friend I do consider myself a part of her family And it's nice because most of her family are adopted and foster kids. So I just kind of blend in with that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm still like, okay, let's go blend in. It's not like that organic type of thing. So I think that a lot of times I'll, even as a teacher, I see lots of families and like, you know, parents are just like so invested in their children, just becoming like smart and cultured and learning piano or learning guitar, whatever it is. And being so like, um, present in their children's lives and I'm just like man sometimes I just think about what it would have been like if I had had that and then on the other end of things a lot of times I'll go to another place where I'm like having like a a PTSD PTSD thing where I'm like stuck in like an abusive thing that's happened in my in you know in my head I just like same thing Mm -hmm. like if my boyfriend like does something that's even vaguely close to something that traumatic what was traumatic for me I start to like freak out and I'm like oh wait you're just not texting me back because you're busy, not because you hate me. <laughs> you know what I mean. But that's strong, like, yeah, right? right? You carry that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really hard. I th- I've definitely found myself, um, like even with my boyfriend's parents, he'll be like, "Oh, like you know, well, whatever, go say goodbye," and I'm like, "Oh, like I'll see him tomorrow." Like in my, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't. What? Why do you need to go? Bye, Daddy. Like that's not a thing in my in my muscle memory of who I am. That's not a thing. You know what I mean? And I remember one time too, my boyfriend's mom. I was leaving. It was like a Sunday and I was saying goodbye to her. I wasn't going to see her for the week and I was about to leave it. She's like, I want to come here. She just like, told me, she's like, I hope you have the best week ever. And I just like burst into tears. Oh, I oh. burst like, that's what I was saying earlier. Like you never know when like you're just doing something that's normal for you and you're introducing someone to normalcy for the first time though. So you know what I mean? Like she just was like, I love this girl and I hope she has a good week. And I was like, you, you love me and you hope I have a good week. You know what I mean? Like it was so different for me. And like, I think about it all the time, all the time. I'm like she went out of her way to make sure that I knew that she wanted me to have a good week. And that changed my week. I thought every time I had a bad moment, I was like, she wants me to have a good week. So I will, you know what I mean? Like it changed everything. It's crazy. Oh, that hits me in my soul. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I do want to know too. All right. So you get away, you find like some sort of support system, but you have now established yourself as like a coveted music teacher in this community. You're recording an album. How yeah. did you work your way back into the fabric of the community? And not the community you had been in, but like the
2: community <laughs> right. of Worcester. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's an interesting story because, um, I think that it's important to like, I think whenever you look back on a traumatic experience, you realize why it happened. It's not always okay that it happened, but it always brings you to another place in life. You know what I mean? Um, and I think if you can do that, A, it helps you prevent yourself from getting into a situation like that again, but B, like it helps you, um, not just hate yourself for allowing yourself to go through what you went through. So me growing up in abusive environments, I I am prone to falling in love with abusive people. Um, so after I was, I was married and divorced. And after that, um, I got into a relationship with someone who was very abusive, very, very, very abusive. Um, when I met this person though, um, it was through a friend of mine. It was like an immediate, like, I I was still living in Ayer, Massachusetts. So I, I was not near Worcester at all. And I met this person and I was like, I have to be with this person. I have to. I was willing to put everything on the line. It was weird. It was weird. It's still something I'm working through with therapy. Like, why was it just like this, like, I need to have it type of deal. He reminded me most of the songs that I've written are like about my dad and him at the same time. You know what I mean? Like he was very much like my father. And I think that's probably the main thing. Um, but he, he lived in Grafton. So I was like, I'm moving my life to Grafton. That's what I just decided. You know what I mean? I wanted to get away from the church. I wanted to get away from people and I needed to be with this person. And um, I had, I've been teaching piano since I was 16 because I used to teach kids, like girls in the neighborhood. Um, and then since then I worked at two other music schools. So I just looked up, places hiring music teachers and I found a local music school and I immediately knew I wanted to work there and I got hired I when I got when I interviewed they hired me that day I went back that day to start shadowing um and I found an apartment in Shrewsbury and I just like emerged myself here and now that like you said that or like I said that relationship was fairly abusive so I did not go out a lot unless I was with him but I did get my career started in this area and then after that ended after about a year I got out after a year um I made a couple of friends so like one of my friends she already was in this area another girl that was a teacher I became really close with her and I actually started like spending time and that's when I kind of started becoming more like connected with the Worcester community and I would still say I'm still like getting connected like I know I know the area and I know a lot of people but like I don't I wouldn't call myself like a, a what do you, a Worcesterite or whatever you call it. Like you're stuck with us now. I know. I know. I know. Like I want to, you know what I mean? I definitely want to, but it's definitely, it's still like new to me, you know, but that's kind of how I got out of, I grew up in Lowell and then getting married brought me to the Ayer area and then getting out of that, I just keep moving, yeah. <laughs> but I think I'll be here like for definitely a long, long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved when you said, well, I
1: didn't love this, but like the fact that you have insecurity about not having a formal education but then mm-hmm. the thing that you really were extricated from that community for was your curiosity and your imagination. Right. Like those yeah. if we both have many degrees in education. That's mm-hmm. what we're looking for in kids. Like that's how you identify who the wonderkins and the geniuses mm-hmm. are. It's the ones that can imagine crazy things. Ask and have mm-hmm.
0: questions. Yeah, ask
2: questions and be creative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I am a very imaginative person. I always one thing um I don't know. I, sometimes people will compliment me and it will like stick with me because it's like, if my, my like dream board of who I am, I'm like, that's who I want to be. Like someone will notice me. I'm like, I'd do more of that. And one thing that my sister has said to me is she's like, Ivana, like there can be any size speed bump in front of you and you will either get over it. You'll find a way to get around it. You'll find a way to break it and get through it. Like you will not let something get you down. I'm like, Think, or like resilient, like that's a word that like I want to identify by. but I am like, I will think outside of the box. Yeah, you'll build like, a ladder. Yeah, I will. like you like give me a problem. like I will find a way to fix it and it might not be what anyone would have thought of, but I will find a way to get around it or get through it. like it's not an option to like not not do what I need to do. It's I, not an option for me.
0: I think having that sort of part of you also makes you a good teacher too. Um, yes. I, yeah, probably. Like, even as like a music teacher, you know, an mm-hmm. educator in that sense, you are still a teacher, right? And I think mm-hmm. that having the ability and that curiosity and the, and the sort of talent for seeing things not just at face value mm-hmm. can make you a really great teacher.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely take pride in like, I tell my students, like teach me how to teach you. That's usually what I You know what I mean? Like everyone processes differently. Everyone, you know, learns at different speeds or whatever you want. Not even, I don't like, I learned slow. I learn fast. Like everyone just has different ways of processing information. So as long as you can learn to communicate what you don't understand or do understand, like we will find a way to work together and you'll be able to feel confident in what you're doing, just, I need to learn how to teach you. And I teach every single one of my students differently, depending on how they communicate with me. I just teach them differently.
1: In my eyes, you just earned a master's degree. That's it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's the whole thing. Absolutely. (laughs) I think it's funny too. Yeah. Cause I I mean, I don't have a degree. I I tried college. I tried college for one semester. It was just culture shock to the max. And just, I could not handle it. It was like, try going from homeschool to like a state college. Like it was too much for me to handle. I just, I, the first day back, like I went to, I did first semester. I was like, all right. Second semester, I was like driving, trying to find a place to park. And I just like had a panic attack. And I was like, I'm not going to do, it. I just turned around. And I was like, I'm not doing uh-huh. this. This is not worth it. Plus I was like teaching already. I'm like, I can make money teaching. Like why go into debt? Just I can make money doing it, and like I could go back, but I for myself I was always like I'm gonna go to college because I was always told you're not going to college. So for me I was like I just want to go to college, but like I don't need to, to go to college for like revenge. You know what I mean? Like it was the thing that motivated me to get out because I really I wanted to go to Berkeley. That was my thing. Like I'm like I'm gonna go to Berkeley, be a recording artist, and like I, that's not how it happened. But I'm still now I'm a recording artist and I'm a teacher, so like it still happened. So <laughs> have you always my- written songs? I've been, yeah, I've been writing since um, I was probably 13. I remember I had a piano teacher and she would not get off my butt about making me write music. She must have seen something in me. Yeah. I don't know what, as a teacher now, I like look back, I'm like, because sometimes I'll see something in my students and I'll be like, I bet you they would like writing music and I'll try to get them into it. And I just always think about my one teacher. She made me right? The first, she's like, you're going home. You can only use the black keys on a piano and you have to write a song. And I was like, what? And I wrote something and then she's like, now you can play a song on the white keys. And like, I just started writing songs. And the first thing I did is I wrote a song for every color. So like the first song I wrote was called blue and they weren't lyrical songs. These were just like piano songs. And then I I wrote another song. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to name it. This is yellow. And I was like, I'll just do a song for every color. And I like wrote a song for every color. And that was, really fun and like it's become more and more of um for a while it was like therapy for me it was like my journal like I would I would sit down at the end of the day I would play the piano for like two hours some nights like just improvising just like whatever I was feeling I would just improvise it and just like it's like it's a cathartic like you get into that flow state where I just like away from the world and you just you're feeling and playing and feeling and playing like so therapeutic um I still do that sometimes but finally I kind of started doing it as more of like a hobby where I try to like I wrote a book and then I wrote a soundtrack for my book that I wrote like I wrote a novel and I when I was like 16 or 17 I wrote a novel because I was bored (laughs) and um I like wrote a soundtrack for my novel and then I started once I was kind of out of my house that's when I really started having all these emotions that I was working through and I started writing about them um and over time, my skill, I mean, the songs that I write now, I would agree they're great. I wouldn't share them with the world if I didn't think they're awesome. So like, I don't mean to brag, but I think they're really well-written songs, but they weren't always like that because I've been able to not just be emotional, but distance myself a little bit from it and try to be like, okay, well, how can I write this in a more poetic way or create a chord progression that, um, like elevates what I'm trying to say as well so it's musically complementing what I'm talking about things like that so I've I've been more of an art like artistic about it as well as pouring my heart out at the same time so yeah it's been a process but I would not you could never convince me to not write music like I write a song a week literally <laughs> like I'm always writing songs it's That's crazy prolific.
1: Yeah. And I love yeah. the idea of like a constraint to being a creative catalyst for me. Like yeah. I like to write sonnets because there's rules and I know yes. when I'm done, like I need a certain number well, of syllables. Sorry. So for you, you were like, I'm only writing with the black keys and this is a song about a certain color. Yep. Like you're I right. think that can really be a great, um, breeding ground for creativity.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All my favorite cooking shows have very strange limitations, right? <laughs> sure. Like yeah. where they're like, you have to use this snail and <laughs> five leaves, and they're, like, okay, and they make the greatest dish in
2: the Flip world, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, and I have to say, too, um, like, I've had, you know, over the years, you meet different musicians, and everything, and, like, again, like, I've talked about, so I've always wanted to talk about my life story, and finally, like, it's clicking, and coming together, like, through the whole pandemic, and everything, I finally, like, had the time, and finally connected with the um, child whom I, who I'm who's producing all my music. And like, I've done music with different people and they just don't quite, I don't know. They don't quite see it the way that I see my music. Wait, your and producer's like, name is child. They're not a child, yeah, right? Okay. No, he's not a child. It's C- oh, I was like, "Whoa." Child. <laughs> yeah. Yes, honey. Yes. Is it all done? I just wanted to say. I love you, too. Oh, we love you, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cute. I'll tell him to come say hi at the end. Oh um, but anyway, he has done like such an amazing job. Like what, Like even like therapy again, like the, whenever I have like where, there's, there's going to be nine tracks on the album. And so for each song, he's like, OK, come in, like play it for me. To have someone just sit and close their eyes and not be distracted, just listen to me and what I've been trying to tell people for years—like to actually just listen—it's it was the the best thing ever because I'm always trying to get people to listen to me. You know, like even growing up, like mom, look at what I'm working on. But you know, she has five kids and she's trying to make dinner. And dad, listen, he's got to read his Bible and prepare his teachings. And like no one has time to listen to me. It's like so frustrating. And like I love to perform. I love to perform because like, you don't get a choice. You have to be quiet and listen to me. Like, please get me on stage so you can hear what I have to say. And before I started recording, I was doing a lot of open mics and like, it was therapeutic for me. Cause like, I mean, people don't know that, you know, my song, my boat is learning how to figure out my own life after an abusive childhood, but I know it. And I get to tell the entire audience, like I get to pour my heart out and you all have to listen to me. Finally. Like it, I love that. I know it sounds a little selfish, but like, it's true. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, um, so like, it's been really, really, really awesome because he's not just about like trying to make the coolest sounding song, which they do sound really cool, but just little, like little, little things like with my song, uh, butterfly, it's the whole idea of it. I think that's one of the ones I sent to you, but the whole idea of it is when you're at war with yourself. So half of you is like, when are you going to get out of this abusive Uh, situation or this, or this unhealthy, whatever it is, if it's a friendship, if it's a work environment, if it's a a relationship, a bad habit, whatever it is, you're like, when are you going to stop doing this? When are you going to get away? And then it's the other version of yourself, like, well, I'm freaked out and talking about why you, you are having a hard time and you keep going back. You got to stop. I don't want to, you got to stop. I don't want to that whole idea. And so I was like, you know when you're like driving in your car and you're just having like a mental conversation with yourself you know what I'm talking about he's like yeah yeah dude. <laughs> and then we go to listen to the song he's like oh so I add a little thing into the beginning and you know how the song starts a door closes and the car starts and then the music starts playing I'm like that puts you exactly in the environment that I was like explaining like thank you like I would have never thought of that right, and that's your that's <laughs> yeah, your vision I you know exactly yeah
0: I feel so. like when you say like you know, it might sound selfish or that kind of thing about being heard and being listened to. Mm -hmm. It really is a way for you to honor your childhood self, right? It's really a way for you to look at who you were and say like, you deserve to be heard, right? And like, you deserve to be listened to. So it's not selfish. It's it's an expression of like this seven-year-old who couldn't, you know, get a second of... Someone's time.
2: Right. No. Yeah, that reminds me too, like one of the things that I've learned about with uh therapy is like reparenting myself and just like learning how to say the things to yourself and do the things to yourself that you need or needed a parent to do and like showing yourself that you can be that for yourself. Um, like the song Oh Darling, which is another one that I sent you. Um, I wrote that song. Um, my best friend and I, we have like a very similar Um, struggle with like not having a motherly figure in our life especially for like as a girl when you just go whether it's like a breakup or like a really bad period or like whatever it might be just like to have it like hey mom like yeah I know it sucks honey just just that like I'm sure sure you can relate to some extent as well but just like that sucks. And I remember just like having a breakdown with my therapist, just being like, I just wish I had a mom that could just hug me and tell me it's okay. And that I'm the strongest, most beautiful person and I don't need to change and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, Ivana, next time you're feeling like that, you need to get out a piece of paper and you need to write down what you need your mom to tell you. You need to say it to yourself. And I was like, okay. And I remember one morning, it was like two o'clock in the morning and I just was like having anxiety and I couldn't sleep and I did it. I, and the, that I did not edit them at all. The lyrics to that song are exactly what I wrote down when I was having that moment of like, this is what I wish someone would tell me, like, you're beautiful right here in the middle, like, and just like, darling, like, I love the word darling, just like, oh, darling, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like that, the chorus, like the, oh, darling, or like, let me see you undone. Don't try to run. Like, just stay exactly the way you are. I love you the way you are, like that type of thing. Like, and I love that song. It's like my theme song.
1: (laughs) I listened to it when I was on a walk today with my
2: dog and I was like, this is so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I really hope that the music can be um, healing for other people as well. Like there have been times when I've like sang my song for someone else, like it's like you're writing about me. And I just think like, how beautiful is that? That like, I may have had more of an extreme type of childhood than other people, but like, it doesn't matter, like, we all just want someone to love us unconditionally. Like, it like, doesn't matter how much trauma you've been through. Like, I will play my songs for some people who have not been through the same, they, everyone I think has their stories, but the same thing that I've been through, but that my music still, like, they're like, wow, it's like you're writing about me. That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, yeah, like, we all just want the same thing. Like, we all just want to be loved unconditionally. We all just want to be accepted for who we are. Like, it's all we want. <laughs> and I think that I hope that people listen to the music and like relate to that.
1: You have a lot of wisdom for uh, uh, yeah. what did you say? You're 27. Yeah, I'll be 28 next month. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything you haven't had a chance to share yet that would you would definitely want our listeners or the Worcester magazine readers to know? Um,
2: I, I was like thinking about that too. Because I I was thinking, like, what are my questions they're going to ask me? I think, like, I was like, what is it? Like, I was thinking, like, what's the biggest thing that I've learned or whatever? And I don't want to, like, I think it's really important, especially, like, this past year. I think that our culture has done a pretty decent job of, um, like, recognizing some of our faults and, like, lots of inequality that that has been going on in the world, like, Um, whether it's people of color or like just women or like just any type of inequality. I think that a lot of people have been really opening their eyes and I don't want to not like ignore that. But at the same time, like I have learned for myself, like the world is not what I was taught it was. It is not a scary, bad place. Like there are scary, bad people, but like the world is beautiful. And like, I was just always taught to be so scared of how hurt you can get and like, to try to hide from it. And I just learned like the more that you emerge yourself in the world, like, yes, you can get hurt. But like, there are so many beautiful, beautiful people out there. And like the majority of people are really just trying to heal and get better and like encourage each other. And like, you can find those people, like the energy you put out is the energy that you get. And if you're trying to heal, you're going to attract other healers. and like. We can all get through together and I just like was always so scared of the world and the more that I've been in it I'm like it is so freaking beautiful like I don't want to be scared of the world and I think That's what I tell people especially if like there's someone out there that is like struggling with anxiety or um Like had a shelter childhood like me or something like you don't have to be scared Like there are people out there that are beautiful and like you have to find them, but they're there